Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24 is our opening text today. I am reading this out of the Good News Bible, so it might read a little bit different than the one that you have, but I do have it on the screen for us. Genesis 2, 18 through 24. Good News Bible says this, Then Yahweh Elohim said, It is not good for the man to live alone. I will make a suitable companion to help him. So he took from some soil from the ground and formed all the animals and all the birds. Then he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And that is how they all got their names. So the man named all the birds and all the animals, but not one of them was a suitable companion to help him. Then Yahweh, Elohim, made the man fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the flesh. He formed a woman out of the rib and brought her to him. Then the man said, At last, here is one of my own kind, bone taken from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Woman is her name because she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one. Now, Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. So, last month, I was teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I taught five lessons on that. I enjoyed studying, restudying that, and I got some good feedback from that as well. But I spent a good time, when I was studying on that, I spent a good time, a good amount of time, in Genesis chapter 2 on the original relationship between male and female. Pretty much spent a whole week studying that every morning. And I couldn't tell you how many times that I've read that text that we just opened up with in Genesis 2. Hundreds probably. But as I was going back through it last month, some things popped out at me in ways that I had never seen them before. And that is because Holy Scripture is alive. And aren't you glad? I'm so glad that we can continuously over and over review the Scriptures. They never get old. I never grow weary of reading the Bible. As a matter of fact, in times in my life when I have grown weary due to life's trials, circumstances, and the sin in the world, my own sin... In my weariness, I've always gathered strength from reading the Bible and from quoting the Bible. Whenever I get discouraged, I begin to quote the passages that I had memorized that I've hid in my heart. Psalm 103 is one of my favorites to quote. I enjoy Matthew 5, 17 through 20. It's another favorite. My all-time favorite is Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. But you quote those Scriptures and you can feel encouragement coming back into your soul because the Word of Yahweh is alive. So, in my last reading of Genesis 1-2, through what I saw, clearer than I had ever seen it before, was that Yahweh did not create the male to lord over the female or to subdue the female like He would subdue the animals or to dominate her as though she is not valued as highly as him. He created the male with the female inside of the male. 
as one person to begin with. Now this is something that I had read before, but it never stood out to me like it did this past month. And I would like to spend a few minutes of your time showing you some things today in this regard. I want you to look at first Genesis 1, 27 through 28. It says this, God, the Almighty, created man in His own image. In the Almighty's image, He created him. Male and female, He created them. The Almighty blessed them. The Almighty said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now that first word man in Genesis 1.27 is literally the man. Elohim, the Almighty, created the man in His own image. And then the verse repeats it in a slightly different way. In Elohim's image, He created Him. So we have there in Genesis 1.27, the first two sentences, we have the man and we have him. And both of those are singular words. Yet the last part of verse 27, in repeating it a second time, repeating that first part a second time, says male and female, he created them. It jumps from the singular to the plural in the last part of verse 27. And then it continues with that plural by saying, Elohim blessed them and said to them the commands and the purposes in Genesis 1 verse 28. Now, not only is the word them plural in form in verses 27 through 28, the context shows that it has to be understood as plural because the first commandment that is given is be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth. And you cannot multiply by yourself. It takes a male and a female to multiply, to make a child when they come together. Now, the point here in Genesis 1 is that Yahweh created the man, singular, male and female, plural. As we continue to read in Genesis 2, we do see that there was a time when man existed the male existed without the female beside him as a separate person. But at the same time, we learn that the female existed inside him. Because that's where she, was, that's where she came from. That's where she was taken from. Part of Adam became Eve because Eve existed inside of the body, the flesh and the bone of Adam. That's why he said, at last, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because she was taken from Adam's side. Adam was created with both male and female attributes inside of him. And I believe that's how Genesis 1 can speak in both singular and plural terms without contradicting itself. Now, not only do we have Genesis 1 that teaches this, we also have Genesis 5 reteaching this and it adds more clarity to what I've talked about. Look at Genesis 5, 1 through 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that Elohim created man, he made him in Elohim's likeness, he created them, male and female, and blessed them 
on the day they were created, He named them Adam. I want you to look at this and think with me. This book records, Genesis 5.1, the generation, what that means is the family line, family lineage of Adam. Now, who is that talking about? It's talking about Adam. Genesis 1 and 2. The person. Not man in general. Adam, the person. This is the book of the family line of Adam. Then it goes on to say, in the day that Elohim created man, singular, He made Him, singular, in Elohim's likeness. He created them, plural, male and female, and blessed them, plural. On the day they, plural, were created, He named them, plural, Adam. Now that word Adam in Genesis 5-2 is the same Adam as Genesis 5 verse 1. Their name was Adam. Not just the male, but also the female. Now we think, but I thought the female's name was Eve. Well, her name later became Eve, according to Genesis 3 verse 20 and Genesis 4 verse 1. Or actually, her name literally in Hebrew is Chava. Now through the process of transliteration, going from language to language, we begin to lose sounds. But the word Chava in Hebrew means life or life giver. And in Genesis 3.20, that's why she was named Chava because it says she was the mother or the caretaker of everything that was alive. So in Old English, uh, people did not pronounce the name as Eve. We say Eve because we look at words and we usually pronounce them how they look to us. But in Old English, if you go back, they probably said something more like Ava is how it would be pronounced, which is very similar to Chava. And we have a couple of Avas here in our congregation. So they're named there after the female there in the Garden of Eden. Anyhow, Chava was her personal name, but according to Genesis 5 verse 2, she was originally called Adam. So, stay with me now. You had a male Adam and a female Adam. You had a male man and a female man. Am I making you think yet? (laughs) Now it sounds strange to us to say female man because we usually associate the word man with the male gender by itself. But here's an easier way for you to understand this. You'll catch this when I say it like this. In Genesis 5, you had a male human and a female human. The word human is an offshoot of the word man. In other words, mankind. Yahweh originally created Adam, mankind, humanity as male and female. There was one person initially, Adam, who had both male and female inside of him and therefore could be classified as them, plural. Then according to Genesis 2, Yahweh caused that deep sleep to fall on Adam and He scooped out a portion of his side and from that portion of Adam, He made Eve, what we would call Arkala. At that point, you did not have just one person, but you had two persons. Before, just one. But once Yahweh scooped out the side and formed Chava, you then had two persons. Adam looked at her and said, that's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's called Isha, 
because she was taken out of Ish. It's very important that we realize that when Yahweh made Eve, He did not make her from fresh dirt from the ground. He made her from what already existed in the male human. Now, as I mentioned in one of my recent sermons, what this shows in Genesis is the equality in value between male and female. Matthew Henry, the old Puritan. I like to memorize Bible verses, but if I could remember a quotation, this would be right at the top. Matthew Henry, the old Puritan, he said it so good. He said that the female was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Beautiful. A lot of the old Puritans are very, very astute in the Scriptures and in understanding the Bible. Well, far too often in both Judaism and in Christianity and also even in Islam, the male has been seen to have more value than the female. And what we're learning here from Genesis 1, 2, and 5 is that that's not the case. Yahweh created man in His own image, comma, male and female created He them. And He blessed them. And He called their name Adam. He told them be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. He told them have dominion over the animals in Genesis 1 verse 28. Not just the male human, but the female human. Now someone says, but male and female have different roles according to the full teaching of Scripture. Well, that's correct. It's not what this sermon is about. I've taught that in other sermons. It's not what my next several sermons are going to be about. But that's correct. Adam was created as a single person first. And first, in the Bible, carries the role of headship or leadership. And then as we read through the whole Bible, we learn that to be a good leader doesn't mean to lord over people. But it means to be an example and be a servant to people. As a matter of fact, Yeshua got on to His own disciples one time when they were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And He said, we don't do it like the heathens do it, guys. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to learn how to serve. And so Yeshua, our Messiah, showed us husbands the best example that we could ever be shown. Is that the way that we lead is by laying down our life for our wife and for our children, for our family. That's how we lead. But the man carries the role of headship or leader. We also read later in Ephesians 5, which by the way, Paul quotes Genesis in Ephesians 5. We read in Ephesians 5 that in a marriage, which is male-female relationship, the male carries the role or is a picture or a type of the Messiah. Not that he is the Messiah, but he carries that role. He's, He's supposed to, if he's acting accordingly, to depict the Messiah. And the female, she carries the role of the church or the assembly. She's acting properly. She is supposed to depict... The, the saints, the, the church, the ecclesia. So the husband is to love his wife as the Messiah loved the assembly and gave himself up for the assembly. The wife is to submit to her husband as the assembly submits to the Messiah. But different roles does not mean an inequality in value. 
If you were going on a long trip and I asked you, which one do you want, a spare tire or a lug wrench? And if you could only have one, which one would you choose? Now, you could pick the spare tire just in case you had a flat, but you can't get the flat tire off without removing the lug nuts. And ultimately, you need a third tool, a car jack. My point here is that if you're going on a long trip, you don't look at these three tools and decide which one you want to take. You take all three of the tools. Because even though they have different roles or functions, they're equal in value. You need them all. All three of them. The husband is the head of the wife in his role, meaning that he functions as the leader in the home. But does that mean that the wife has less value than the husband? Not at all. According to Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman, basically righteous, one that is holy, keeps the commandments of Yahweh, is how righteousness is defined practically in Scripture. A virtuous woman is to be valued far above rubies. Now, rubies are used there as an expensive comparison. The author of Proverbs 31 is not comparing the righteous woman to something that has a little bit of value. He's comparing her to something that has a lot of value, great value. For example, Job 28 verse 18 says that the price of wisdom is above rubies. Is wisdom valuable? Very valuable. Notice how he compares it with something expensive, rubies. Proverbs 3 verse 15 teaches that understanding is more precious than rubies. Is understanding valuable? Very valuable. Well, Proverbs 31 verse 10 says that a good woman is above fine rubies. Is a woman valuable? Very valuable. Just like wisdom. Just like understanding. In India, the ruby is called the lord of the gemstones. And rubies have for a long time been associated with royalty, wealth, and power. Rubies are more, nat- more rare than natural diamonds. Fine quality rubies are the most expensive gemstone. And in modern day currency, catch this, a good ruby is sometimes worth $1 million per carat. This ruby ring on the screen sold for $8.6 million in 2014. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above fine rubies. $8.6 million. In Genesis, the woman's value is equal with the man. But what is sometimes centered in on in Genesis in an attempt to lessen the woman's value? is that the woman is just called the helper. You know, Yahweh created her to be the helper. The old King James says, a help meet for him. I used to think that was one word, help meet. But it's two words, a help meet, M-E-E-T, suitable, fit, comparable. The HCSB is my favorite. It says, a helper to compliment him. I love that translation. But sometimes that word or that verse is brought up in order to lessen the value of the woman. Yahweh says it's not good for the man to be alone, so he's going to make a helper who is comparable for him. When we think of the word helper, sometimes we think of somebody who is less. 
They just don't know as much. They can't do as much. They're lower than another. That's usually how we define the word help. I was watching Little House on the Prairie the other night. That's what I'm on right now. I'm loving it. I'm in season five, I think. And Charles Ingalls, he took in this young spoiled boy that was uh, the Olsen's nephew, I believe. And Charles took in this young boy because he had a temper problem and he was spoiled and didn't really know how to work and Nails couldn't handle him and so he gave him to Charles because he knew that Charles could teach him the responsibility of hard work, appreciating adults, things of that nature. So they were standing outside before they even got to work. It was the night before and Charles told him that he'd be sleeping upstairs and the little boy started walking towards the house and Charles stopped me and said, no, 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 the family sleeps in the house. He said, the help sleeps out in the barn. The little boy looked at him. This was a rich kid. And he had made him a pallet in hay up on the top loft of the barn. Now, Charles was doing this to teach the boy a good thing. And in the end, he was calling him Uncle Charles and he cried. And really, the boy was the way that he was because the boy's daddy never spent any time with him. And uh, But anyhow, almost makes me cry thinking about it. <laughs> So it's a great episode. I, I love it. They don't make shows like that anymore. Well, is Genesis using the word helper like that? The help sleeps in the barn. You know the word. The words the help used to be used in early America. It was used as a derogatory term for black slaves. They call them the help. Is that how Genesis two is using the word helper? No, it's not. I'm going to prove it to you. When we read the word helper in Genesis 2.18, we should not think less value than the man. We should actually think filling up where the man is lacking. Filling up where the man is deficient. We should think of male and female as two tools with different functions and both functions are necessary to accomplish the task. Now, I've already shown this in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 5. But this is going to be seen in the greatest way in the word helper in Genesis 2 verse 18 and throughout the Hebrew Bible. And I know this because this word helper is used 21 times in Hebrew. It is the Hebrew word azer. And out of the 21 times that it's used in Hebrew, 16 of those times it is used to refer to Drum roll. Yahweh. Yahweh is our helper. Now, you already know this word, Azer, and you say, I've never heard that word. That confused me, Brother Matthew, when you popped that up on the screen. But you already know it. Most, I think most everybody in here already knows it, even though you don't realize it yet. Have you ever heard of the name Ebenezer? Well, Ezer or Azer is the last part of that name. And the name Ebenezer means stone of help. And this word, Ebenezer, Eben Azar, is used in the book of 1 Samuel to describe Yahweh. There, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Philistines were trying to come and attack the Israelites. Prophet Samuel knew this. And the Bible tells us that he prayed to Yahweh and he offered up a burnt offering, a lamb. 
to Yahweh. And while he was offering up the offering, Yahweh sent this great thunder that sounded so loud that the Philistines began to flee in confusion and derision. And Israel won the battle. After that, in 1 Samuel 7 verse 12, it says, Afterwards Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, explaining Yahweh has helped us to this point. Ebenezer is a title for Yahweh. Now, there's an old hymn titled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, tune Thy heart to sing Thy praise. It was written in or around 1758 by a man named Robert Robinson who at one point in his early age was part of a very bad, notorious gang. And he's turned his life around. And you can, you can see this in the words of the hymn if you read all of the stanzas. But there is one time in that song where the word Ebenezer is used. And it says this. I've got it on the screen. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'm come. Now I've heard it said that when some people sing this hymn, I've actually heard this, some people sing this hymn and they go to the pastor and they say, who is Ebenezer and why are we singing to Ebenezer in this hymn? That's because a lot of people don't know that uh, Robinson took the word Ebenezer from 1 Samuel 7 verse 12. Yahweh is the stone of help. And he's saying, here I raise my stone of help, Yahweh. Hither by thy help I'm come. Ebenezer is a title for Yahweh that speaks of his power and protection for us. Yahweh is our Ebenezer. He is our stone of help. Now, here are some other scriptures in Psalms that speak of Yahweh as our Azer. Psalm 33 verse 20, we wait for Yahweh, He is our help and shield. Psalm 70 verse 5, I am afflicted and needy, hurry to me, Elohim, you are my help and my deliverer, Yahweh do not delay. Psalm 115 verse 9, Israel, trust in Yahweh, He is their help and shield. Psalm 121 verse 2, my help comes from Yahweh, the maker of heaven. And earth. Each of these uses of the word help are the Hebrew word azer. And this is a sampling of how the word is used in the Bible to describe Almighty Yahweh. Is Yahweh lower class or less valuable? Of course not. But He's called our help. As a matter of fact, what a proper understanding of the word azer shows is that in Yahweh being our help, there's a deficiency in us. We need Yahweh's help because we can't do it. We need Yahweh's help because He's stronger than we are. He's more powerful than we are. He's more knowledgeable than we are. We depend on Yahweh. Yahweh protects us and He provides for us. And this word, Azer, is the word that Yahweh inspired to be used to describe the female in Genesis 2 verse 18 that He made from the male and for the male. It is not good for Adam to be alone. I will make him an azer, a helper suitable for him. Adam needed help. Us husbands need help. 
Yahweh gives us a good wife as a helper. She fills up the area that we lack. Helper is not a derogatory title in Genesis 2. It is actually a title of great worth. And if you didn't study that, you might not think that that's the case. As a matter of fact, I've heard several pastors on video using the word help because they just read it from the English and they think that it means lower, lesser in some way. That's just not the case. So, according to Genesis 1, 2, and 5, both Adam and Chava, male and female, were made in the image of the Creator. Both male and female were blessed. Both male and female were told to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And both male and female were told to subdue the earth and have dominion over the animals. Adam and Chava were equal in value or worth. Yahweh created her inside of him to begin with and then He pulled her out of him to form and fill up what He lacked from just being a single person. Chava, Eve, was Adam's azer, his helper, his aid. They were a team. Both members were vital to their success. They complemented one another. This lesson today is the first lesson in a series of lessons that I'm going to teach for the next two moons. And I'm titling this series, Strong Women in Scripture. I'm pulling that title from Proverbs 31.17, which says in the English Standard Version, She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. In history and in religion, women have often been looked down upon, objectified, treated as second class, or sometimes even worse than that. Men have abused the role that Yahweh gave to them, and in that abuse they have squashed out the value that women hold. The Bible has been manipulated to teach that men are of more worth than women, and there have also been unbelievers who have tried to quote snippets of Scripture to say that the Bible is anti-women. And I think a lot of people have believed that. As a matter of fact, you can go on YouTube and you can find a lot of people that believe that. They quote snippets of the Bible, try to say the Bible is anti-women. But the reason that people have believed that lie is because very few people take the time to seriously study the Scriptures. I've been in conversations before where people don't really know the Bible. And what do they do? They grab their phone and they Google something and you can Google anything and find something to fit your fancy. And that's just not the way to study the Bible. But what we've seen in this first lesson from the first two pages in Scripture is that male and female are equal in value. They complement one another. They rule the earth together when Yahweh's perfect will is being carried out. And according to Genesis 2.18, where men lack, women fill up. They are our helper. Now, next week we will look at Genesis chapter 3 and the fall into sin. And I hope to show you some things that you may have overlooked in Genesis 3 in the past because I know that there are certainly some things there in Genesis 3 that I have overlooked in the past. And I have preached over 700 sermons 
uh, probably more than that, but over 700 recorded sermons. And other than teaching through the book of Ruth, which I spent four sermons in the book of Ruth years ago, this will be the first time that I have centered in on the value of women in Scripture. Now, that's kind of a slap in my face. I should have done that before now. Um, But I'm excited. So we're going to talk about women, not just Eve. We're going to talk about other women like Deborah, Mary Magdalene, uh, J.L., Rahab. Might even talk about Ruth, maybe a little bit of Esther, maybe Phoebe. Some of these women in the Bible. And I think it's going to be a good study. So... Yahweh, Father, thank You for another opportunity to teach Your Word. I appreciate You, and I appreciate all Your people here. Yahweh, may You bless our understanding and our wisdom. Help us to appreciate the females here in the congregation. Even more, even if we have, let us appreciate their worth and their value more. Through Your Son, I pray. 